0: Hello and welcome to Talk Ag to Me, the podcast dedicated to improving ag literacy around the globe. I'm your host Brennan Black, and if you guys caught the last episode, you saw that it was um, the first part to our discussion about urbanization. So make sure you guys go back and check out that episode if you haven't yet, um, just to kind of give you like a what happened in the last episode. We went over the first two points of our three point um, discussion. We talked we talked about um, urbanization from uh, rural areas to more city areas. We talked about urbanization from people that are moving from more rural lifestyles to more urban, um, urbanized and city lifestyles. And so in this in this next point, we're going to be talking about ag literacy and, and what can be done to help slow down the effects of urban sprawl and that kind of thing. And once again, I apologize for having to split this into a two-parter. We didn't really mean to, but we just kind of got carried away and started talking for a while. So I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode and I'm just going to uh, give it to Abby and I right here so enjoy guys so we're gonna kind of transition into our third point here because that's kind of going along the lines of what we're talking about here and that's
1: the consequences the
0: consequences of having all this urbanization and all this urban sprawl going on and that's not to say that we can stop it because we can't in all honesty, urbanization is something that's going to happen. It's something that's extremely natural for a civilization to do. And, and it's not like
1: the give-up attitude. It, it really cannot be fixed. Right.
0: There's there's no possible way. We're not going to force people to stop living in houses. That's not yeah, going to happen. It, we it we happen. cannot force businesses to stop building facilities. We cannot force cities to stop growing because the population is growing. I mean, we're supposed to plateau at around $10 billion in 2050, and that's it's supposed to decrease after that. So maybe we might see... Um, a lack of urban sprawl at that point, but there will still be urbanization, and there were, it's not like we're going to be reducing our cities back into farmland. That's not something. No, once Once we go to city land, we're not going back to farmland possibly ever. Like yeah. there's, and that's something that's there's a lot is very scary for a lot of farmers to accept, but
1: it's w- the truth.
0: Yeah, I think that there's. I think there's more harm in trying to deny it than there is trying to accept it and adapt to it. Okay. Because there are ways to adapt to this growth. It's not that you know that we're going to we're just doomed to to be stuck in and all of our going to be taken away one day. It's not that that's going to be an issue that we're going to be facing at least not for a long time. There are ways to adapt was. to this. <laughs> and well, that's the issue. Urbanization is not the issue. Urban sprawl is the issue. We can slow down urban sprawl. Urbanization will never be stopped. But we can slow down the urban sprawl part of it, and that's where we need to. That's the direction that we need to go and um some of the ways that this urban sprawl issue can be fixed is um i mean there's there's a program called smart growth it's something the epa kind of talked about And it's not necessarily like a program like they're putting it in place it's kind of like a concept um like just, just a, throwing
1: around an idea right so upon it.
0: yeah they're just concepts to say well what if we did this maybe this will work so
1: what is the smart growth program i don't think i've ever heard of it so, so.
0: smart growth to put it in in layman's terms it's kind of just like a, it's a list of different acts we can do Um, that help reduce the amount of farmland that's being taken up and it'll still allow for urbanization to occur. And what I mean by this is, like, so to give you an example, um, infilling. Do you know what infilling is? No. So infilling is... um, No, I'm
1: being completely honest. Like, I'm not just saying that for the viewers. (laughs) No, yeah, no. um,
0: This is why I wanted to bring you instead of Evan on this episode, which... Partially because Evan's still in Portugal, because you know, thanks, Evan.
1: It's cool. It's <laughs> all right. We get Which, it. Yeah, we no, need to take vacation sometimes. That's really yeah. good. Yeah, no,
0: that's, that's perfectly fine. He's gonna come back, and he's gonna be coming on all kinds of episodes with us. But um Evan knows this topic like the back of his hand because we studied this forever for our speaking team. I wanted to bring you in here because I knew that it's very unlikely that you would. I don't have, have that, a lot
1: of knowledge. Have that this. kind of background
0: <laughs> knowledge because a lot of your knowledge is more in production agriculture and less right. in fixing stuff like this right you know yeah so um infilling is when you take like let's say um a target decides to just clean out like let's say like we have super target here in Tulare let's say they decide to move out like they don't want to have a target in Tulare anymore what let's just say that they that better not
1: happen (laughs) I love Target. They moved everything around. It's messing me up. I know. Okay, sorry. Let's that just really say, let's say that, they, keep going. Okay. that
0: they move. So like, they're out.
1: Okay. So they're gone. Target's gone.
0: Instead of, like, let's say that Walmart wants to build another Walmart in Tulare, instead of building a whole new building, they take over the Target's old building. That's infilling. So it's instead of... Well, whole, that's
1: practical. That's just right. how it should be anyways. Right.
0: But a lot of businesses don't do that. They want to build whole new facilities, and it's heavily encouraged that they go fill up old abandoned facilities instead
1: okay that makes sense or
0: another example which i've heard this before but this is a little bit harder to implement is that they take an old building let's say that like that target gets abandoned okay they take the old building and they turn it into like an apartment complex okay or they turn it into because that that target's got a huge parking lot they could take up a lot of that parking lot and turn it into an apartment complex like that's something that's a little bit less well they could
1: build on top of that
0: right too. right so yeah, like it's that something that's work. a little bit less thought of in terms of let's turn an old company into living area they usually turn it into another company but it'd be something that would that help reduce sense. the amount because people always want to build new houses like we were talking about earlier people want bigger houses and it's not that they're trying to take out farmland they just they want bigger, they want bigger stuff house. yeah so if we use that land instead of building a whole new land and taking out some guy's farm to do that we would just build on what's already built upon Right. So that that's, makes sense. that's one concept that Smart Growth proposes. Another one is I
1: really like that. That's a good idea.
0: So yeah, and Smart Growth proposes a lot of good these. Good job whoever came up with that. <laughs> Smart Growth proposes a lot of these concepts to try to reduce the amount of urban sprawl that's occurring. Not to say okay. it's gonna stop it, but it helps kind that of aid the down. issue.
1: That definitely slows it down.
0: And so we have like more concepts like um building up instead of out. And that's instead of building wider houses, we start building more like two and three story houses or, or larger especially with apartment buildings. Instead of building like the the flat apartments, we start building stack tolerance, you know, just because it reduces the amount of land that has to be taken up and it still allows that
1: organization to occur. Well, you definitely see that a lot in Europe because, Mm -hmm. like, when my dad and I went there um, in November, uh, we went into um, Holland because we have a lot of family there. We went to Agritechnica, which is the largest um, indoor farm show. We have the World Ag Expo. This is way way bigger than that really oh yeah it's wow extremely massive That's like crazy the b- smallest building was at least 12 acres Jeez. and so but the ag expo's Twenty. i don't remember the number now but it's <laughs> way bigger okay anyways so that was in germany and then in france my dad and i we went to paris for the day um but just to look at that the shortest apartment or house was three stories wow because i mean same thing in all of the european countries is that their houses are so tiny and compact Mm -hmm. but they're built up and my cousin she recently moved into a new apartment her staircase is almost completely vertical Dang! it hardly you have this tiny little curve but the stairs are less than six inches wide and so kind of everything is being built up because they can't go out anymore because everything else is already built and they don't want to take over that farmland because they grew, they grow tulips there. They grow, they have dairy farms, um, right. sheep, horses, that kind of thing, pasture. So they have to grow everything up, and it doesn't go out anymore. But like, especially in France, like they were building a new five-story complex that was absolutely massive. It's crazy. But that was all apartments, right? Because and more people want to live there.
0: Yeah, and there's always an argument against that, saying like, if you look at, especially a lot of places in Italy, they have really compact houses, and it's really it's hard to to having a room to move, right. and that's understandable, but. That's not to say that, like in Tulare we're gonna have that much compactness, because the reason that it's so it's, it's like that and especially in a lot of European countries is because there's such a high demand for um living in Europe. Like so many people want to live in Europe as opposed to. and there
1: are a lot of people that want to live here, but not specifically in the right. Central Valley, so I don't really see that coming here. No,
0: yeah, they usually want to um, live in like San Francisco or New York and a lot but of, but like, that's the more why populated areas. they have
1: very tall buildings
0: right like you see very few standalone houses in new york for example it's almost all apartments yeah and a lot of the houses are in like the outskirts more towards the agricultural areas and it's the same thing with like kentucky i mean you would go to louisville Everything is hotels and apartments. All, really? Like, if you go to, like, the outside skirts of it, it's all farmhouses. Like, those are the only actual houses you see. They're all, like, farming, and they don't even that's have really fences. Weird. They don't have fences. They don't lock their doors. Everything is very open, and it's because everyone trusts each other, and then you go into Louisville, you have to lock your cars and everything, because, you know, not to say Louisville is a dangerous area, but no, because but it's more urban, yourself. there's there's a higher risk. So, um, that's, that's another... Um, that's something that smart growth kind of proposes as well as you start building um, up or, or more vertical instead of oh, more horizontal and then that way it kind of preserves a lot of the potential outgrowth that will be occurring and there's a lot of other implement um, concepts that could be implemented from the smart growth program I could list them all day because they have a ton of them but those are kind of the more popular ones that are usually proposed and it, when people say that we should start using smart growth um, ideas and um, smart growth like I, like I said it's not something that's being implemented a ton right now there are cities that are trying to implement more of these ideas. And but as the, long
1: as it's started.
0: Right. And the EPA... It'll come around. What's, I, what's actually kind of interesting to me is the EPA is the one that um, proposes. I think it's because they want to preserve a lot of the natural land that's being taken up by cities, Not which makes sense. specifically
1: agricultural land. But right. They're but they're still trying to preserve, which makes a difference.
0: Yeah, I know. So. I'll, I'll take that over nothing. Um... And there is another kind of interesting story I I want to share with you guys before we move into the ag literacy side of this, and that's that there is this program called Pegasus. Have you ever heard of Pegasus, Abby?
1: From Hercules? (laughs) (laughs) No, not the flying horse. Okay, no. No, I have not.
0: That's that's okay because it's actually a very small idea. I'm not even sure if it's actually being used yet. I think it's something that's still a lot of uh, brainstorming is going on with this idea. And this is is an idea that they're trying to implement in Chicago, Illinois. And what this is is they actually implement a 100-acre farm in the middle of Chicago. In the middle of a large city, they want to implement a 100-acre farm. Do they have room for that? Here's the thing. In the middle of a lot of large cities, they usually have parks or golf courses or something so along those lines. So they're going
1: to rip out one of those and put farmland there?
0: Right. And not to say they're going to rip it out, but in a lot of as, as cities start to grow, they like to take out the middle of the cities and put something along those lines to try to keep the natural aspect to it. In, okay. Instead of implementing a new golf course or instead of implementing a new park, they'd rather implement a large 100-acre uh, piece of farmland. And here's the kicker. Here's the part that I like about it because there's a lot of controversy over how this should be done. What they are going to do with this farmland is they're going to use it to teach the inner city kids about agriculture. They're going to bring those inner city kids and have them... They're going to use
1: 100 acres, though? That seems... A little much.
0: There's a lot of schools in, in Chicago. Well, like, yeah, I
1: understand that, but...
0: I, I mean, like, and it's not, like, it's not going to be, like, 100 acres of just dairy. It's going to be, like, divided into different kinds Well, no, it needs to be separated, right.
1: yeah.
0: Because that way they can teach kids... You can't kids, just teach
1: about crops. There's right. It's more than just that.
0: That way they teach kids about all kinds of different... It's like a school farm, that but it's 100 cool. acres. And it helps... I mean, it's... It's partially to alleviate a lot of the urban sprawl it still allows for agricultural production in the city but it's, it's really
1: smart that they can bring in and teach children
0: right and that was like the main purpose of it because just to give you guys a little bit of a story I gave a speech on urbanization and in, um, in one of my speech contests for FFA, for FFA and um, the actual question I had to answer was, uh, about urban agriculture, what, uh, what are some examples, or what are some pros to urban agriculture? And something that I was struggling to answer because the only urban agriculture I could think of was rooftop gardens, which is another form of
1: or hydroponics. Or hydroponics. That's what I was thinking. Which I,
0: I brought I brought hydroponics into it, but hydroponics has kind of been proven to not be as efficient as I agree. As actual agriculture. I mean, rooftop gardens are kind of along the same lines. I mean, they're not that efficient, but they're they still exist. Still helps. Yeah. So, um, my main selling point for this speech was the Pegasus program. I talked about how Pegasus was implementing agriculture into cities rather than just have it on the outskirts of cities.
1: So when could this begin or potentially begin?
0: That's kind of the difficult part about because they actually asked me a question along those lines. Like, is this already in the process of being um, implemented or is it something that's still being brainstormed? And from what I understand, this hasn't been started yet. And the reason it hasn't been started yet is because they need Chicago's approval and because Chicago's a more... Um, Democratic area, they tend it to not more time. right. They tend not be as supportive of that kind of endeavor because they don't want to take up all that city land and put a farm right there because for various reasons. Um, I also got asked the questions of is is this financially feasible? Like, is it something that is worth investing in, or is it something that you're going to lose your money if you try to do it? And the question, or the way I, tr- I tried to answer that was, this this isn't for production productive quality. It's not. To say that we can it's farm in cities, money. right? And uh, like, because the the direction there they wanted me to go with it was, well, no, it's you know there there's no feasibility if there's no in
1: profit, it. then what's the point?
0: Right, and and the kind of the direction I went similar to that direction. I said, well, no, you're not gonna make money if you're just hoping for this thing to produce food because that's not what's for. Need to try. You have to look at it from an outside perspective. This is for education purposes, which can in turn help reduce the urban sprawl rates that we're at and it could help preserve pharma which will help produce more Well, food like in, in the
1: short term if you have schools like helping to fundraise or provide money to help with this type of project if the schools in the city are willing to put money towards that um the short term would be like ah we gotta we need some like extra cash right um the city would be able to help with out with that but in the long term i think it would be a lot more beneficial because then you have these students that are much more educated and we're willing to support programs like that in the future when they will have their future children. Absolutely. And so I think people need to definitely look at that from that standpoint and not just one way. Right,
0: and that's kind of the um, the way I had to talk to the the judges about this because, like I said, that they're looking more towards the short, short term. Like you were saying, they were saying, well... No, within... you need to look
1: long term. You right. can look short term. They
0: were saying, like, within the next few years, will I be able to get my money back? I said, no, you won't. But you can't look at it like that. You have to look at it from... Well, any
1: type of farming, if you started. If you started a farm right now, you wouldn't make your money back in a few years. No. Especially that's... like the guys putting in pistachios and almonds. They go in debt for a little while because those trees don't produce for the first right. few years. You have to wait.
0: Right. And I had to explain to them, it's very important to look at this from the aspect of we're educating the future generations that are going to support these kinds of projects in the future. It's all about looking ahead. You cannot look at this from the perspective of, is this going to pay me back soon? No, well, it can not We won't. can look
1: at it in the present. Even if you do look in the future, you have to look further. You can't just look. Right a
0: few steps ahead like I, I told them I said you may never get paid back from this farm but your future generations your kids and their kids they will heavily benefit from these aspects especially if urban sprawl continues at the rate it is because at that point what let's say we do get to a point where we run out of farmland where all urbanization takes over which is not going to happen for a very long time if it ever does it won't happen but let's say like hypothetically it does that program, like let's say like somebody says, well this works in Chicago let's implement in, the other, in these other cities and these other cities will start to implement more agriculture based so projects. So do they only
1: want to start in Chicago? Do they want to start in other cities as well?
0: I think they want to start in Chicago just because that's one of the largest gaps between The consumer and the farmer that we've ever seen. Like, Chicago is so far from agriculture because you can start in New York, but you go just a few miles outside of New York and there's dairies everywhere. Yeah. You can start in San Francisco, you go just a few hours down south to the Central Valley and there's agriculture right there. Chicago, it's hard to find agriculture. That makes sense. I, I mean, there's land around it that's agriculturally based, obviously, but it's yeah, not but it's nearly not as productive as what we have here. I
1: agree.
0: So I think that I think that's a more strategic play on their part because Chicago, for one, it's so big; it's hard to get out it's of Chicago. Huge.
1: Chicago's huge,
0: so it's, it's good to bring in something like that towards the middle of Chicago because so many people are going to see it and wonder what it's about, and they're going to have to teach them about agriculture for them to even live there.
1: Yeah, we had a dairy convention there three years ago, and. Um, it took them at least three hours to go find a dairy.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's hard. Like, there's there's so much city there.
1: And I think that a couple of them weren't even in Illinois. Like they were out of the state.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, that's just kind of like another um, another potential project that Smart Growth has kind of played a role in. That's
1: pretty cool. Um, I like it.
0: So we we're talking a little bit about ag literacy and, and teaching kids about agriculture and that kind of thing, and that can actually help alleviate. All the urban sprawl that's been going on lately, I I think at least I think if if kids it understand or even adults if anyone understands where their food comes from, they'll be less.
1: That's willing. a step in the right direction. Right,
0: they'll they'll be less willing to take up all that farmland because they'll understand that they need it. And, well,
1: that or they support their local FFA program, right. their 4-H chapter. Um, I think just well, programs like that. I think they'd be more willing to support.
0: Right, and I think the hard part about that is they can understand where their food comes from, and they can support FFA, but they still might want to a big, a big, build a bigger house and take up farmland without even meaning to because they don't realize what building that bigger house actually does. So I think that we need to go in there and say, hey, we understand you want a bigger house, but maybe you should build it two stories instead of you know making it 3,000 square feet because you're taking up this guy's farmland, and we need that farmland. And there was a hypothetical situation that Kawhine liked to trap me with every time I gave this speech, and it really bugged me because I know he's right. Um, he gave a, the situation that if you were a farmer, if you had 100 acres or let's say just, you know, like 80 acres of corn or some, some crop, okay. and a large corporation attempted to buy you out for twice as much as you would ever earn on that farm, right? would you do it? No so i told him the same thing i said no i want to preserve it for my future generations i want to keep it going because we need that food over the land he said i agree or he said um i appreciate your passion and you're willing to support the agriculture industry but most farmers as much as they would want to say no they would say yes because that much money could support their family for generations to come and that farm won't necessarily do the same and it's hard to convince a farmer as much as they want to keep that farming in their blood and in their family and keep the tradition going and to keep just feeding the world sometimes it's not always a good thing to do because like let's say your well runs dry let's say that the economy goes down you're going to lose so much more money than you could have gained from taking that deal
1: well then what are you going to do afterwards you, you sell just, your company and do what
0: you just sell the old well, you well
1: you, you sell your farm and then you do what
0: then you move into the city i guess
1: but why what are you going to do then? My dad's test driving retirement right now. He hates it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing about it, though. Is like, it's not necessarily like, I, I sat there and argued with him forever and he would not budge. His argument was 100% that looking, because I said, well, what about the future generations? You have to look at the future. He if said, I even think, then. If I think
1: about farmers that I know personally that we go and sit with at lunch every day after, during, well, like, during work. Right. We go sit and talk to them. I don't care how much money they would make off of a company that would want to try to buy their land. They wouldn't do it.
0: Right. And I agree with because
1: that. Because there's no point in having all this money and sitting at home. Or having all this money and then buying a bigger house. There's it's they would rather sit or they would rather work as hard as they can all day long and come home to their family than be bought out by somebody else and still sit at home with their family. They have nothing to benefit from that except for the money. And even then, Money doesn't make you happy. Them working on their farm or do, like working with their crops and their animals is making them happy and the money isn't.
0: And I made a very similar argument to Kouan and his response was looking at the future generations, the farmer wouldn't be looking to what makes him happy, He'd be looking forward to what would make his kids and grandkids benefit the best and have the best lives they could. And in that sense, if the economy is going down and he sees that and he sees that his crops are not going to can benefit well. It only go down well, so far. Right. But there's always a degree. I mean, look at two thousand nine. You had dairy farmers committing suicide because they couldn't keep up. That like, if something that dramatic happens again, it's hard to say that you wouldn't you wouldn't get bought out. It's something that's hard to argue, but it's something that I I would like to think that most farmers would not get bought out. But that deal comes along and there's no better option. I mean, literally nothing that could beat that then I'd I'd hate to say that, but there would be a lot of farmers that would say, all right, fine. But and, I
1: think the only way that farmers would say, okay, fine, is if they truly believe their children could not uphold the family business. Right. That would be the only reason, I believe. And, because and I, I personally I know you. a lot of farmers, and they they wouldn't give up their livelihood for anything.
0: And I agree with you there. But that's just something that a lot of, I shouldn't say a lot of, that's something that... That's a situation that is potentially going to be coming in the future. Not that I say it will, but it, the, if urban sprawl continues at the rate it is, if we do nothing to stop it, if we do nothing to slow it down, then that's that's a, a situation that a lot of farmers could be facing in the future. And let's say that they don't get bought out, let's say that they just keep doing what they're doing. Eventually, like let's say they have a kid and the kid doesn't want to go into farming. He sells the land for a lot less than it could have been worth and then they just screwed over the future generations. So it's a matter of... Because there are kids that they can grow up with farming all they want. they be taught every single aspect of farming and they still don't want to do it. I mean, I know kids that want to go on... They don't even want to touch another farm in their lives and they grew up like living and working on a farm and they don't want to do it. And it's hard to say that...
1: I think that happens more often than you think.
0: Right. It's hard to say that... It's... it's the problem I have with that situation is that it's, just, it's so specific. But... Like, let's say that this guy has a kid that he knows isn't going to go into farming. Is it worth keeping that farm alive if he could rather pay for that kid's future? Because he knows that there's no way he's going to be able to convince that kid to take over the farm. I mean, I had a friend that... Actually, I'm not going to name names, but he had a family member who had a farm who passed it on to his son, who was this kid's dad. And the dad didn't want to go into the industry because he saw the economy going down the drain. And so he sold it all off. And my friend wanted to get back into farming but it was a smarter option at the time for his dad to sell off the farm because it helped them out in the long run which is hard to argue and I think that he should have kept it but if Mm -hmm. he would have it's hard to like I don't think that they'd be nearly as well off as they are now
1: Mm, but in the long run like if you look at it if they it's so much it would be easier for him now to inherit the farm, then start something new, because he will spend at least three times the money to start right. a new farm.
0: Right, and I agree. And that's why he won't get into farming now. As much as he wants to, he can't. If he would have inherited the farm, he would have been able to, to pick himself off.
1: Unless he tried, yeah, no, he can't buy it off of somebody else, like my uncle. Um, he farms with his father-in-law, um who was obviously his wife's dad. Right. Um, so they farmed together, and um, he wanted to buy him out because mm-hmm. whenever he passes, like, my uncle would inherit the farm. Right. Or the dairy farm. Um, he couldn't do it. Even if he had a partner, they could not invest that, mu- that much money to buy out his father It costs
0: a lot. And that's, I think, a lot of, a lot of the issue to is why farmers are getting out of farming these days. And I think that Urban Sprawl has partially... A, a cause in that, but I think this just the ag, the ag economy, the legislation that's in place, the regulations, especially in California, is just causing so many people to just drop out, and that's just leading. I mean, it's just a domino effect. I mean, you have Prop Two, you have all the water regulations, you have all the pesticide regulations, and there are so many farmers that, dr- that drop out just because of those reasons, not even because the economy is bad, but because the regulations are so harsh that they're they can't even profit off of it's what they're practical. doing. Yeah. And so I think that that's something that's dangerous to the agricultural industry because it, that leads to their future generations not knowing where ag comes from because that's where the future gener- that's where our generation the kids that are our age that don't know about farming that's where their lack of knowledge comes from is that their grandparents sold off the farm because it was more profitable or because it's better it was better for their family and now their grandkids don't know what farming is but i
1: think like if we implement more ag literacy like the the pegasus program having the ag knowledge for those children the um, when they do grow up, and if they so choose to go into politics, they have that ag background that says, "Hey, we saw this when we were kids. This isn't practical. We need to change this, unless it hasn't already, unless it's changed prior to that." But I'm sure at that point in the future, there will be people who are suffering severely from regulations, and that mm-hmm. those kids will be able to change it.
0: Right. No, and I agree. I think that's what our role kind of comes into now, which is helping educate those generations so they can go on and, and fix a lot of the issues they're facing agriculture today is which is easy for us to say that it's the next generation job to do it, but in all honesty it kinda is. I mean we can only do so much to educate them. There there's not much that we can we can fix as much as we want today. Like we can try to get into politics and try to fix the regulations now. But because of how long term those regulations are, it's gonna be up to our kids to probably go in and, and redo all the damage that's already been done even if we get those regulations stopped, if, even if we reduce the amount of urban sprawl that's going on, and even if we increase the act literacy rate, it's going to be up to the next generation to go on and fix all of the, all of the damage that's been done. done. Yeah. Right. And so that's kind of why we need to get a jump-started on it today is just, you know... We need to do our role in trying to fix what we can and just let them fix it as, as years go on. And I think that's kind of the issue is every generation says, well, the next generation can fix my generation's mistakes. And that's a very dangerous statement to make. I mean, if we make mistakes, we should fix them to the best of our ability. But like I said, there's only so much we can do. And then we have to let them take it on from there. So I think that us talking about this issue and kind of informing the public about it a little bit more is something that's very beneficial to the issue itself and like like I said the the, the smart growth program or the smart growth uh, concepts might not fix what's going on. Us talking about literacy a lot and us spitting off some facts might not fix what's going on but it kind of plants those seeds for future generations to come in and say alright well here's where they went wrong let's fix it and I think that that's what our the the best benefit that we can give to the future of agriculture is that we're kinda of planting those seeds and we're establishing a foundation for a higher education of agriculture for those who don't know where the food comes from or what the downside is having a bigger house or what um why so many farmers are dropping out of the market or why their food costs so much and you know we're teaching these people these things which is great, but it comes to a point where we need to start having a call to action saying all right you guys need to go out and do this now and i think that we don't have the voice something because for one we're too young and for two there's not really an audience for us just yet we need to wait a few more years before we start giving a call to action and say all right it's your guys's turn to go out and, and fix those problems because we can't do it anymore and i think that's something that we need to kind of keep in mind as we go on with this episode with other episodes with any Issues facing agricultural politics that we can sit there and talk about what the issue is all we, all we want. It's not going to get fixed until we have our, our call to action. And we're training the next generation to go in and fix not necessarily our mistakes, but the mistakes of previous generations, because that's all we can do. So I think that with that, we're going to start closing off. That was really good. Yeah, I think, that, was, that was a lot. It was a lot. I didn't mean to go that, that in depth with all that, but.
1: It needed to be said. It
0: needed to be said That's because this is, the, this is the future of humanity we're talking about. I mean, we have a population of 9.7 billion. Like I said, it's supposed to plateau at 10 billion uh, around 2050. We're, we're, there's got to be some way that we, that we need to feed all those people. And even if it's not us producing the food, we need to help whoever we can understand What's it. 7. It's them.
1: 7.9,
0: not 9.7. No, 7.9 is right now. We That's have, what
1: I'm saying. Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah, we're at seven point nine. It, we're at seven point nine right now. It's gonna reach nine point seven within the next thirty years. I okay
1: okay. So I was all um, that's supposed to be like twenty fifty, but <laughs> yeah. right now, no, 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 no. That's not, not how it goes.
0: Yeah, no. Okay, sorry. Keep So going. yeah, no. So in the next thirty years, we have all this food to produce, and even if we're not producing it, it's we, gotta come from somewhere. It's gotta come from somewhere, and that's why it's our job to kind of you know open that door for more people to to do it. So. Yeah, I, I'm going to stop talking now because my head hurts. <laughs> <laughs> lot, so,
1: get a little, whew, that was a lot.
0: Yeah. And I think this is a good a way tired. to bring back the Ag Issues aspect of things because I like the Ag Issues episodes because is they get very. They're fun. They're yeah. I mean, they, they get very not heated, but it's like something like, this is our future. We need to fix it now. Like, yeah. kind of, kind of episode. I think, I think they're more fun that way because it, it, it gets people's attention. I Because, like, if you teach someone in a classroom about urban sprawl, they're going to get bored. But if you say, hey, you can fix our mistakes. And they're like, all right, well, maybe. Like, it's something that's just like we need to be a little bit more... Um...
1: We need to be pro- proactive. Right,
0: I... right. And I think that's something that that we do a good job of here. Um, so yeah, so I'd like to uh, like to thank all of our uh, loyal listeners. We are at 31 subscribers now, which is really exciting. Yes. That's... Tell
1: your friends. Yeah. Subscribe, please. <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm not sure if we've been doing this enough, but make sure you guys get as much support because I have... I mean we have episodes that have eighty views and we only have thirty subscribers, so what's going on here guys? I mean like I've
1: Um, that doesn't add up. I'm really good at math, so <laughs> the fifty of y'all are really like the forty nine of y'all that aren't subscribing. Not to be rude, but like <laughs> y'all should subscribe.
0: Well the I think the problem with it is we need to get it on more platforms. I mean
1: We're working on it.
0: We're working have on it. Break. We have iTunes, we have Spotify that we're trying to get it on. As soon as it's on there, I will be blasting all kinds of promotions, saying, "Hey, go follow us on these things because it's easier to listen to." But for right now, YouTube, we're on YouTube. That's our. If you're working
1: out, listen to this.
0: Yeah, so I'd I'd appreciate it if you guys would um, subscribe just so you guys get notifications as well as when our new episodes come out because we're going to be posting them every day on our social media sites, but there are some of our listeners that don't even have us on social media. And if you don't, that's another issue you need to go fix right now. That's another issue (laughs) you need to fix. (laughs) That's
1: cool. You're good. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I know.
0: So anyway, I'd like to thank all you guys for listening. Um, Make sure that you recommend us to your friends, family, anyone that has an interest in agriculture, maybe those who don't have an interest in agriculture. We are open to all audiences. Come find us. And we would like you guys to... To, I mean, if you have anything that we didn't address in this episode that you want us to kind of address get a hold of us I mean, shout out us out on any of your social medias private message us we have all of our links in the description
1: and there's a lot of people that know us so if you don't know what our Instagrams or Facebooks it's just our names yeah,
0: just Brandon Black, Abby Prince, Evan Garcia even Brandon Borba, our honorary co-host just get a hold of one of those guys they'll get back to us and we can talk about whatever you guys want us to talk about. If you have any recommendations for future episodes, we can talk about that. I mean, there are so many things that that you guys have a role in this community in doing. And you guys just need to you know be a little bit more vocal about it. So, um, <laughs> that's my call to action. You guys need to be more vocal. Reach out to us and we can talk back to you. Help us help you. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's our
0: thing. And there's there's one more thing we had, we kinda wanted to talk about before we sign off today. Just and a
1: little, little
0: So <laughs> a little fun that thing. A little fun thing to throw so in. There's there's kind of a special activity that we're gonna be doing possibly in July is is kinda of what we're predicting here. Yeah. And it's gonna involve Abby, Evan, Brandon, and I. We're all gonna be in a room together recording that could kind be kinda interesting. We're gonna be doing a live stream. And so on this live stream, we're going to be be streaming on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Everywhere you can live stream, we will be live streaming. And we're going to be having all kinds of people watching us if possible. We're going to be kind of doing...
1: So when this comes out, tell your friends to get on the live stream. Ask us questions. Tell us some comments. If you find statistics, we love numbers. Right. The entire week
0: up to the live stream, I will be just posting non-stop about it so you guys better follow us so you guys know when it'll be coming out because very special to this live stream is going to be a call-in episode just like on a radio show
1: Ooh, we're going to ah. have you guys call in
0: and give us and we're going to be reading the comments too but we're going to have you guys be calling in just like on a radio show and If you guys have any questions you want us to address, we'll address those questions. There will be four of us there, so we can talk about anything and have a conversation there. If there's a topic you guys wanted to uh, address, if you guys want an episode idea you want to talk about, we can talk about it on that live stream. I mean, there are so many different things you guys can talk about. If you guys have any questions on another episode that you you want answered, we can answer it then. Uh, There's just so many directions that that live stream could go. And we talked about it a little bit in our first episode, and, you know, we kinda of teased having a colon episode. But I think it's something because
1: Now it's getting more practical. Right. So I mean, we're
0: getting we're getting bigger. We have a lot more support we a lot more listeners than we did when we started. And we have Abby and Evan are and Brandon are all leaving soon to college. <laughs> so, and we're going to be doing episodes, of course, when they're gone to college, but it's just, it's so much easier to have all four of us in a room together rather than having to try a Skype and have all of us on a live stream together.
1: That could get interesting.
0: That could be interesting. So that's how so, we're doing the
1: live stream now before we go. Right.
0: On. So we're going to do it in the middle of summer. That way, once Abby goes off to Washington and Evan and Brandon go off to Cal Poly and I stay here in oh, Hilarity. Oh, yeah, they
1: both going to Cal Poly, huh? Right.
0: So that way, once they're all gone... It won't be that big a video. I'm not trying dying.
1: To do... I'm just moving to a different state for a little well, while. Well, I know,
0: but, like, it's going to be harder to, to manage getting all the episodes Yeah, I'm going to be doing interviews with people that, probably by myself, I mean, like, I don't do that anyway, but, um... <laughs>
1: wow, way to just throw me under the bus.
0: I'm throwing you and Evan under the bus.
1: That's so rude. <laughs> Sorry I'm a little bit busy. Fine, next interview, I'll be there. You better
0: be. And... <sighs> Next episode we are having another interview, so you better be there, just saying. But
1: it's a surprise, y'all don't know who it is. Yeah, Fine. we're just gonna leave it so, at that.
0: <laughs> so yeah, we like to we'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Thank for, you, thank you,
1: thank you. Even for, though we just spat a whole bunch of information at you and kinda like yelled at you to like get on the move and like find some more people to follow us. Yeah, we no, still yeah. love you all. You know so. what?
0: You know It's fine. They, they appreciate it. Yeah, and half thanks. of them probably aren't listening anymore anyway because a lot of them tune off by now. Oh, but if you are listening, thank you for listening to the end. Thank you for tuning into this whole episode and tuning into all of our other episodes. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you... I think there's like a bell. Like, go that, like. Go, yeah, go like. But it shows us that you appreciate. Comment on our videos. Because I like seeing comments. I like seeing everyone.
1: But like good comments. Yeah,
0: obviously. But pod- if you have
1: bad comments, like talk to us privately. Right.
0: Yeah. If if you guys have any, uh, any concerns, anything questions? you want to uh, argue about, then that's a whole separate issue. Yeah. Um.
1: We'd love to hear from you. Yeah.
0: So we're gonna close it off here, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, and don't forget if, if you, you ate today, today thank, thank a, a farmer. farmer. That's my line.